I love reading romance, even with my mom. Historical, paranormal, a good rom com. We both like a grump, an alpha, and a beard. But reading with my mom, well, it gets kind of weird. I'm reading steamy scenes, getting bothered and hot. But if mom is asking, I read it for the plot. We look for swoony scenes, those moments that delight. Communication's good, and the banter's so right. So if you'd like to read along and join the group, here's a little secret I'll let you into the loop. It's just a little show that we like to dub, not your mom's romance book club. Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hi, Ellen. It's going quite well. Awesome. Today we are chatting about Dating Dr. Dill by Nisha Sharma. But first, mom, what have you been reading and watching? Well, I'm still trying to get through this Jennifer Armentrout. Is that her name? Jennifer L. Armentrout. Okay. The fourth book in her Blood and Ash series, which is The War of Two Queens. Mm-hmm. And I slowly but surely (laughs) plugging along. I have to keep stopping to read our other books. So I'm at about 75, 76% on it. So I should finish it this week. But um, so that's what I've been reading. And then I read our book for today, Mm -hmm. Dating Dr. Dill. And um, watching, I haven't really been watching. Have I been watching anything? Have we been watching anything? Just our regular British shows, and I don't know what you're still up on. I don't know what you Dairy Girls and um, I went and saw the new Doctor Strange yesterday. Mom and my dad are going to go see it tomorrow, tomorrow, so they watch the first Doctor Strange this evening. So we, in order to prepare for it, yes. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's definitely, like, a bit of a different turn for Marvel. It's much more, like, horror-adjacent than previous entries. Um, But I thought it was pretty cool. And I like a lot of the little fun surprises that they have in there. Um, But, yeah, like, I mean, I don't know what you and Dad do when I'm not around watching stuff, so. Well, weirdly... We've been getting our yard ready because we're, they're going to start digging tomorrow, no, Tuesday, on a pool. We're getting a pool, pool put in. So yeah. um, whatever we're paying for the pool, it's worth it to get my yard cleaned up. My husband's been cleaning out the shed. All these things I've been asking him to do for years are finally getting done. And it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it's been like, we had one day that was like really hot and then the AC in my classroom has been not working so I just every day I've been like so hot at work and I'm like it'll be so nice when there's a pool to like go home and just jump into after I've been yeah well teaching in a hot classroom all day better be because we're paying a lot of money for it yeah (laughs) um I haven't been reading anything anything you've been watching k-dramas yes 
uh, thank you for bringing that up. Um, I, okay, here's, mom's gonna, I haven't told mom the full extent of what I did last night until 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> oh. Um, but I, um, so there's this K-drama that I started called Reply 1988. It's part of this series where each, like, there's, like, a bunch of different series and each series follows, like, this group of people in a different year. Oh. In South Korea. So this one's 1988. And um, so it's this group of friends. And at the beginning, they are flashing back to 1988. And then they'll like flash. They'll do like flash forwards where they're interviewing the main character as a grown woman in present day. Because she's like 18 in the 1988. And she mentions in the present day that she has married one of the boys that she grew up with and you even like also interview him but you're never quite sure especially between two of the main candidates who it is um and so it's like a mystery throughout the series so here's what i do oh my gosh you ruined it didn't you (laughs) well it makes me want to slap you Well, it's a very, it's a very sweet show that focuses on this whole little neighborhood of characters. It's like these five families and all of the family members, all of the parents and all these things. And it does all these things. I didn't have the patience to watch <laughs> all of that. I think I will go back and rewatch the whole thing. But I, you've ruined the end, Ellen. Um, I didn't ruin the end because I went through and I yeah, just, you did. I just watched the scenes that feature her and her two oh my potentials. So I got Who the raised whole, you, you barbarian. I got the whole crux of what happens um, <coughs> on the romantic subplot. And now I can go back and rewatch the whole series and not feel my impatience to look things up online, which I am wont to do. Um, with shows. Yeah, because you're awful. Um, <coughs> and, uh, yeah. So, I really, I mean, I enjoyed the romantic subplot quite a bit. Um, <laughs> uh, so I do want to, and like, like I said, it's a very sweet show. It kind of has, like, Freaks and Geeks vibes for me, where it's funny, but also very heartwarming in some point, in a lot of entries. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's what I did last night. And then it's my allergies have been so bad for like the past. I think I complained about this last week too. You but, did. Um, they're just really knocking me through a loop. And I've been trying to do this lesson planning assessment as well. So I needed a mental break. Also, it was teacher appreciation week. And they really do it up big at the school where I'm working and I was telling my coworkers, I'm like, I at no point this week have eaten because I'm hungry. It has always <laughs> just been because it's like I've been eating nothing but sweets. And then at some point during the day, I'm like, I need to eat something other than sweets. I'm not hungry, but I need something in my body other than cupcakes, cookies. Because you've been showered cakes. with gifts. Yes, which is very sweet. And I did get a lot of Target gift cards, so I went on a Target shopping spree, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I got some Mother's Day gifts out of it. Yes, Mom did get some Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. You're welcome. Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's sort of applies. <laughs> You're welcome. 
me be such an amazing mother. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, but yes, happy Mother's Day to my mother and all of you other mothers, which sounds like I'm dissing you. You mothers. <laughs> all you other mothers. Um, anyway. Um, okay. Today, we are chatting about Dating Dr. Dill by Nisha Sharma. It is the first book in her If Shakespeare Was an Auntie series. Uh, the second as yet untitled, I think, but it's very clear what it's going to... I think it's very clear what... Because each book is a Shakespeare... Retelling. Retelling. This one was a um, Taming of the Shrew. Uh, retelling. But he's the shrew, right? I mean... No, she's the shrew. Because she's she the sister who... Oh, the older sister who didn't who wasn't married yet. Yeah. Okay. She wasn't very shrewish. I don't know, Mom. <laughs> um, because think it's like Katerina and... Uh, what p- p- Karina, yeah, and I only know the the uh, ten things I hate about you version. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't remember Patrick Verona. Um, I can't remember what his name is in the real Taming of the Shrew, but I think Benedict and Beatrice are gonna be Bunty and Bobby, right? And I think that the next one will probably be um, Twelfth Night, which is not the, the one. After I think that. the third book will be Twelfth Night with. Um, Deepak and Vera, Vera, uh, which I think will be Viola and that guy. Okay, I can't remember all my Shakespeare names. <laughs> it's been a long time since my <laughs> Shakespeare 101 class. Um, okay, so here is the back cover description for Dating Dr. Dill. Dating Dr. Dill features a love phobic TV doctor who must convince a love obsessed homebody they are destined to be together. Karina Mann dreams of having a love story like her parents, but she prefers restoring her classic car to swiping right on dating apps. When her father announces he's selling her mother's home, Karina makes a deal with him. He'll gift her the house if she can get engaged in four months. I wouldn't say he'll gift her the house. She still has to buy it. Yeah. But anyway, her search for... going to give her money. Yeah. Her search for her soulmate becomes impossible when her argument with Dr. Prem Verma or Verma host of the Dr. Dill show goes viral. Now the only man in her life is the one she doesn't want. Dr. Prem Verma is dedicated to building a local community health center, but he needs to get donors with deep pockets. The Dr. Dill show was doing just that until his argument with Karina went viral and he's left shortchanged. That's when Karina's Meddling aunties presented him with a solution. Convince Karina he's her soulmate and they'll fund his clinic. Um, even though they have conflicting views on love, matches and arranged matches, the more time Prem spends with Karina, the more he begins to believe she's the woman he wants to spend the rest of his life with. But for Prem and Karina to find their happily ever after, they must admit that hate has turned into fate. Mom. What did you think of dating Dr. Dill? I'm going to give it a really like. There was stuff about it that bugged me, but then there were parts about it that I really enjoyed. So, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about the parts that bug me. Yep. Um, and we'll talk about the parts that I really enjoyed. But. Yeah. I think I'm also going to land on a really like. Um, there's. There's things about it that frustrate me. Uh, choices and. Um, not even choices, but attitudes that they both have. Well, some of it makes a little more... Because I wasn't reading it thinking of it as a Taming of the Shrew retelling. 
And now that it does, now that you say that, like one of the things is her blowing up at him at his TV show. And now I think, okay, well that. She's supposed to be the shrew. She's supposed to be the shrew. So that, you know, kind of makes Softens that make, blow yeah, makes that make more sense. But there was just, we'll talk about more, but. No, I mean, a lot of it is some of their attitudes on things. Um, here's what I will say that softens that blow a bit for me is that Nisha Sharma is, she herself is very, it seems very aware of their attitudes and how, and she kind of like myself seems to be in the middle of them where like she realizes that both of them need to accommodate a little bit more on, um, or adapt their views. Well, can we say, because they both have views on love. Yeah, which we're, we're going to talk about all okay. that. So, let's... so I won't bring that up yet. Yeah. But I do have things to say about yeah. that. Um, I also really liked the representation. I mean, we've read um, kind of uh, stories that get into this culture before, the whole Desi culture. But I, I don't think quite to this extent. And I, I really liked it. I liked that... I had to keep looking up foods on Google and showing (laughs) me pictures. The thing where they have the eating contest, the panty putty putty or whatever it's called. I looked that one up too. I looked because I was like, and them describing, I was like, I have no clue what this is supposed (laughs) to be. (laughs) So I had to look up pictures of it on the internet. Yeah. Um, But I liked all of that. And, um, you know, uh, as one of the listeners also comments, um, some of the dating in in your 30s stuff hit a little too close to home i don't understand uh, <laughs> it was a little bit like uh, uh like some of those online dating conversations i was like oh too real <laughs> um but do you feel pressure from home to get married and give your mother grandchildren grandchildren, <laughs> grandchildren. <laughs> um sometimes <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> um but certainly not to the extent that she does. Yes. Um, well, I'm glad. <laughs> well, I would feel bad. And, um, yeah, and I, and I, you know, we've run into this before, but it's obviously definitely a cultural thing, and I like that she addresses, you know, a lot of that, the stereotypes and things like that about the culture and about the culture. Well, and I think attitudes. she's able to do that culturally because the whole thing about the older sister not getting married before the younger sister, I think is something that's in their culture mm-hmm. where, you know, in our culture, it's not as big a deal. Yeah. I mean, people might make rude comments or whatever, but I got married before my sis, my older sister by like two weeks, three weeks. <laughs> Come on. And my mom just about had a stroke <laughs> doing two weddings back to back like that. Yeah. That was, I didn't, cool. I didn't see the big deal, but my mom seemed to think that that was too much work. <laughs> oh, well, it all worked out. <laughs> Um, okay, what did you think of Karina as our heroine? Which I hope I'm saying all these names correctly, but... Well, that's what the way I read it. Yeah. And he called her Rena. Um, she always acted like that was a big, different name, and I'm like, it's not that different I'm surprised no one else calls you that. Yeah. <laughs> and she even called herself that when she first met him, so, you yeah. know, in fairness. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, she sounds cute and sweet. She is a little buttoned down like the whole sweater vest thing and the yeah I don't, I don't know if that's if there's a reason for all that but um I really liked her but she also really got on my nerves there are parts there are aspects of her in the story that bugged me as well so 
And we're going to talk about I would that. say, yeah, we are, but I would say kind of, um, you, you touched on this already, but I didn't start off on the greatest foot with Karina. Um, in the beginning, she kind of overreacted a bit for me, mm-hmm. which, like you said, with the taming of the shrew context, it kind of makes, it kind of softens that blow a little bit more. Um, but in the beginning, she, you know, they kind of meet, they have these, like, they're doing eye sex with each other across the bar, and then they um, start making out, you know, and possibly they talk headed... for three hours. Let's give them some. Yeah. She's not super slutty. <laughs> It's okay if people do that, Mom. They're not slutty if they do that. Okay. Um, All right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they talk for a long time, and then they're, you know, making out, headed for more. He gets this call in the midst of her having a sweater vest over, stuck over her head. And um, she really takes umbrage with that, and I'm like, girl, get over it yeah. to a certain extent. And then when she well, shows she up, at least said, "I've got an emergency," and with and him maybe he, like helped pull her. I mean, like granted, like that would have been the the right. nice. Maybe thing he didn't to realize do. to the extent that she was stuck, but with him being a doctor, it just seems like him getting an emergency call, even because it wasn't a doctor call; it was uh, his family. family. But um, it seems like you would be a little okay. He's a doctor; he got to call an emergency, so he had to leave. I don't, yeah. And then she shows up and is kind of, like, screaming like a bat out of hell at his TV studio, which I thought was, like, a bit of an overreaction. Uh, Well, and I would have been fine if she screamed at him, but on his show, in the middle of his show, seemed a little... Yeah. All of that... I mean, it wasn't in the middle of his show, but his... Her sister is the one that puts it online. Well, he... No, it was during a commercial break that she screamed at him. Okay. And then her sister recorded it and put it on her... You're right. Channel. Yeah. And her sister. Are we... Yeah, we're going to talk about all that. <laughs> um, but I think Karina, aside from some of my beef that I have with her towards the end of the book, um, she improved for me after that stuff. Well, and... it's one of those things where she keeps talking about what a strong, independent woman she was. And then there's so many things that she does that I think... It's not really what a strong, independent woman would do. And yeah. it, it's not, it has nothing to do with her living at home, like the, the one guy kind of got after her for that. But there's just attitudes that she has and things that she has going on that I think... I mean, I think some of that is her cultural background. Um, and I, you know, we are... We cannot... <laughs> pot calling kettle black yeah. cannot judge any people for having uh, more... Conservative... Yes. <laughs> and not like culturally conservative, but you know, culturally conservative, I would say. Um, but uh, what I will say to, and we've talked, we've talked about this before with other books. I can't ever relate, I guess, to um, being tied to physical things that much. Yes. I I agree. I totally am with her on the fact that her dad should have said, hey, I am going to sell the house because I want a, I want a fresh start. 
I want to, you know, go somewhere else and retire in a different locale. Um, so I'm telling you that I'm going to sell the house, especially because she lives there. Like he should have yes. like put her in on the loop on this. And especially because he knows that how attached she is to the house. So I completely agree that he should have told her. I, I, this was another thing that helped not got me off on the wrong foot with her is that I could never relate to being so like butthurt that her dad wanted to sell the house. That that's true because I mean, it's his thing and he needs money to retire. Yeah. And so here's the thing, the problem I had, here's what I had. Cause I'm, I'm not sure how long they lived in this house. But they had to do a lot of renovating. It sounded like they built the house from the ground well, up. We can't we can't fault people too much for that. We did the same thing to our house. Well, I know, but she's still doing all this renovation all the time, and it just seems like if you just built the house, if you built the house, I mean, I don't know how many years ago, but it just seemed like it needed a lot of work for having not been as old. I don't know. Yeah. But the one that really got me, that really got me, is all the work she was doing on this car. How did this car get so trashed? <laughs> I don't know. It's a 1988. Yeah, it's I, not I even know. like <laughs> it's a like rusted out like 1950s car. Unless Dirty Mike and the Boys got a hold of it. <laughs> Nobody knows that reference. <laughs> that ref- I bet someone out there knows that reference. Mm. But I'm not sure how this car got so trashed that... The dashboard was torn up, and the seats were all torn up, and it needed body work. I mean, yeah. unless it was crashed at some point, but it, that's never specified. Yeah. yeah. So how did this car get so freaking trashed? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I mean, there was no... I get that it was old, and that might need work, and it might need some new stuff, but it just really sounded like it needed rebuilt from the bottom up, and I couldn't figure out how did... This 1988 car gets so, yeah, I don't know, debilitated. Yeah. Anyway, that's just um, me and my practical brain trying to wrap yeah, it around. Yeah, and that's stuff. me and my practical brain with the house thing too. Like I understand that, you know, people are gonna have very different feelings on that. I just, well, and we're not really good ones to judge on that because, I mean, we had no problem going to my parents' house and just checking everything yeah. and selling it. Yeah. We're not a very sentimental... We're not sentimental people. No. Um, okay, what did you think of Prem as our hero? Prem and I had some... Some beef. I disagreed with a lot of... it, And you're going to ask a question. Okay, yeah. so I'll get into that later. But, um, yes. And I didn't really understand his this job that he has. His It seems like he had a lot of free time, but he complain about working all the time so <laughs> so i'm not sure it's, it's like he's in a soap opera because that's the way pit soap opera people are it's like yeah. oh i work in a hospital and i'm a doctor and i work all the time but i'm or like the cast of friends <laughs> yeah have all this but time. i'm off all the time to go do whatever i want and it's like Ugh. um yeah i quite liked him but he also really frustrated me I, he there was a lot of things about him that frustrated me um you know, I mean, he sounded good. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he sounded very visually appealing. <laughs> um, and he is a dirty talker, which mm, that's not all he's dirty about. <laughs> no, he is not. 
the dirty mouth again. <laughs> um, and yeah, but uh, yeah, some of his views. I mean, we can talk about this. <laughs> his whole thing with uh, love not being good for the heart. I'm I have, like, I've never heard a study. this medical <laughs> journal, have, please. In fact, most studies that I have seen, that I've been familiar with, show that people who are in loving relationships live longer and have better health. And, yeah. you know, it's, so I couldn't get behind what his, and maybe it was just she was trying to give, as the author, trying to give him. Especially, like, for the heart. I could get, I could maybe see more for, like, the mental, mental health. Oh, yes. Um, I could maybe, but even that, I think, is not true. I don't know. And so I was like, show me this medical journal, sir. <laughs> because I don't think it exists. Cause, and I'm thinking I could find a similar medical journal <laughs> that would back up the opposite, you know. Um, anyway, so, um, that was all very odd, uh, to me. Um, okay, so we sort of have a fake dating situation here, but it didn't bother me too much because they never really follow through on it being a fake dating. Because when I first started reading, I was like, oh, it's going to be another fake dating. Because I could see it coming, you know, from a mile away. But then, pleasantly, it turned out not to be a fake dating. Well, because everybody already knows about it, too. So, and that was another thing is like... And even when they were getting engaged and everyone's like... Are you doing this for the house? Are you yeah. doing it? It's like, yes, she is, people. She's doing it for the house. Yeah, because you have given her no other choice. Yes, seriously. Um, but even at, like, one point, she says something about how, you know, she reads all these romance novels and she knows, like, that fake dating, it's never going to work because somebody's going to find out. I'm like, homegirl, they already know. Yeah. Like, your aunties were, like in on this like all of them <laughs> well and honey if you've read that many romance novels and you know fake you know dating he's gonna come you around you know he's gonna fall in love with you <laughs> if you guys are fake dating because that's the way romance world the world works yeah um so and i will say this is sort of tangentially tied to this i liked that she kind of skipped over their night together in telling it but then she showed us snippets of their night together, um, and it kind of gave you nice reminders of their chemistry at times when they weren't always on track with yeah. that, and so I thought that was really well done, and um, I liked not getting that night in real time, but having it kind of dispersed throughout and, like, actually getting to see how deep their initial connection was, because I think it really helped to, like, implant their chemistry in your brain. And well, like, and the other, the little intermission, inter... Yeah, the in- interstitials. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I think of them as the lady whistle down sections. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was very And similar. I think they would be easier to follow if you were more familiar with the culture because they were very culturally driven statements. Yeah. Um, I watched a, a documentary. I think Dad and I went and saw it when I lived in L.A., and it was called Meet the Patels, and it's this actor who um, decides that he's going to allow his family to do the whole arranged marriage thing for him. And he talks a lot about arranged marriages and the biodata. And so, like, 
a lot of that w- was familiar to me. Um, a lot of like kind of their dating customs with the matchmakers and the biodatas and all this stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and it seems like it probably changes with all with the internet and things like yeah. that now. Um, okay. So mom, I have an important question for you <laughs> from this book. Um, what is love? <laughs> what is love? <laughs> um, okay. Here's the problem that I had. Both of them were so far apart, but I don't think love is either all correct, no love or all only love. Correct. I think that there's even statistics that show both ways. Mm-hmm. I think that there are. Well, and I think everybody, I mean, you talked about, you. we talk about like love languages and things like that. And so I think that people have different ways of expressing their love. And I also think that people have different ways of wanting to receive love. And I don't think that it's like, Always the twain shall meet. Well, um, I think even like within our family, your dad tells you he loves you way more than I do because apparently whenever I say it, you think mom, I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, I know we've talked about this before on the show. <laughs> Anytime mom tries to tell me that she loves me. I love you, Ellen. <laughs> it sounds like that. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks I'm being sarcastic and that I don't mean it. <laughs> like I'll be like crying to her on the phone about a breakup or something and she's like... Well, I love you, Ellen. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm sorry. I don't know why that is. I'm like, I, I don't do buy you. it. <laughs> but I think that there are plenty of like arranged marriages that turn into love. I think there's mm-hmm. plenty of, you know, people who fall madly in love with each other and then it doesn't work out. I mean, there's just... That's the thing is, like, with her, I kind of had a hard time um, because it's so obvious that he really does love her or at least is, like, on that trajectory. I mean, I think when you have, like, the physical chemistry that they do, the friendship that they do. The hot sex that they do. Yeah, the hot, that's what I'm saying, like, the physical chemistry. And then the, like, trust that they have with each other. And he's that's, always I mean, the thing watching is, out for her. And, I mean, he's showing her that he loves her that's, in so many well, ways. And that's the thing is, that's love. Like, all those things that they have and that they recognize that they have, that's love. So I don't understand why she can't just be like, he loves me. He's obviously got some, like, weird hang-ups about saying it. But especially coming from her culture... Where, you know, she has to have heard her entire life about all these arranged marriages that can turn into more. I don't get why she wouldn't just be like, he loves me, whatever. He doesn't want to say it yet, but we'll get there. And even if he's not there yet, like, he'll get there and we'll have, like, a hat. I don't know. It was almost to the point that when he actually told her that he loved her, it seemed awkward and weird to me as reading it. It seemed... um, forced yeah yeah i don't know it's just seemed i don't know just well, kind of awkward and here's the other thing that i i got thinking about when i was reading this book because and i know that I, we talked a lot about this when um i was in a relationship and there was a lot of um questions from 
um, my ex and people that were close to us asking if like my reading romance um, was going to give me false expectations. Unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. And so I think that sometimes as a society and then also specifically as romance readers, we kind of need to be like somewhat careful about isolating this idea of quote unquote love as one thing. Cause then I think we make it way more daunting for both ourselves and for like people who are trying to be in relationships well, with us. Almost every romance book we read, almost all of them, this whole thing of, I, I know I love him, but I can't say it yet. Or, you know, I, this whole thing about uttering the words I love you, be, there becomes a stigma so attached to it. And yeah. it becomes like this this pivotal moment. And it's like, I mean, I know I'm not a very good example because we only dated two weeks and then we got married. And you're shit at telling people you love them. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, got, I got my guy, didn't I? <laughs> very quickly. Use my hot bod. But, um, <laughs> but I don't know. I just think that... As romance readers, it's maybe not very fair to people who really aren't super comfortable maybe saying it all the time. Yeah, and um, and it's like we said, I think that everybody kind of has their different way of expressing it and wanting it expressed to them. And um, so, but I, but that's where I was saying, I think at least my perception of Nisha Sharma's viewpoints on it is that she also kind of is like between the two of them where right. because she makes a couple comments yeah because on one hand Karina is being told like you know you know that he loves you and maybe you just need to try telling him tell him how important it is to you and see if he comes around and you know and um and that that's one component. Well, and his friends were saying to him, you know, like once he finally says, oh, I love her. And they're like, yeah, we know. Yeah, we've been telling you that. <laughs> and, you know, and the, and that conversation that he has with his the mom, mom about his parents' relationship. And, you know, where she's like, I, I tell you I love you all the time. I do this and this. And he's like, yeah, but that's not telling me with words. And so obviously he's got some, like, we're supposed to believe that he has some sort of stigma about saying the words. Um... But yeah, so I don't know. It, it this book got me thinking a lot about I don't know. Our our sometimes how we as romance readers can maybe like um further this kind of narrative about what love is and um kind of this romantic ideal of it where I don't think I don't know. It's not always that like lightning bolt for everybody. Okay, so it, I'm not one who says I love you to you all all the time. Your dad does all the time. I don't always say it. But do you ever feel like I don't? No. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I buy something real, I'm like, have I bought your love yet? Like, no, mom, but you're almost there. <laughs> Mom's love language is definitely gift giving. I don't know. Gift, it's qual quality time and gift giving. Like you like to throw money at things. I do. <laughs> <laughs> male strippers in particular. Yeah, I've been to so many male strippers. Um, no, but I'm very like 
take everybody out to dinner or yeah. take everybody to the movie. That's or... what I was, because people are always like, I feel so guilty that, like, your mom takes us out, you know, is always paying for dinner. I'm like, that's her love language. <laughs> Buying dinner for people is, like, her... Just let way. her do it. Yeah. Um, it's the only way she has. <laughs> she Whatever. Can't. Do you want me to tell your friends that I love them? <laughs> I'd probably believe it more when you told them. I probably like them more than you. <laughs> it's like there's this one episode of Happy Endings where his dad, um, like his real dad, Keenan Wayne's or Damon, Damon Wayne's senior. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, not junior plays Damon Wayne junior dad. And like, he can't, his dad never tells him that he loves him. And then he's going around saying like to the waiter, I love you and your service. And he's like, he's like, you can't even say it to me. You're telling all these people. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, but Yes. What were we talking about? Saying I love you. Lo- I love you, Ellen. See? So much. It sounds like that. <laughs> well, you make me laugh after every time I say it, so that makes it worse. Um, yes. You're I love gonna... your brothers, though. Yeah, and you have <laughs> no problem. <laughs> you, yeah, that is... Okay, but here's the thing. I've also thought about this with my brothers. Um... Because I also have friends where I'm like this, where I express my love to, like, my brothers and my and some of my friends very differently than I do from other friends. Like, I have one friend who's been on the show, yeah, Jillian, who um, we've been best friends for the longest time, but we have never been, like, oh, girl, mm. like, that's not really, like, our, our vibe at all. But then I have one friend who, like, every time we see each other, we're, like, huggy and all over each other. And I'm this totally the same way with my brothers. Ryan and I are, like, sup, sup, bro? What's up, what's going on? And me and Dylan, it's, like, mm, Dylan! <laughs> well, I think that's the difference between your brothers. Dylan is the cuddly, lovey one. Yeah. And, I mean, he always has been since he was a baby. Yeah. And Ryan's always been kind of the standoffish, quirky one. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think it's just your personality fits the like your love when you you express love by how they receive love. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes the way you act with people is different. And I think that for in some relationships, it's easier to adapt to. You know, for I think, you know, I think if somebody else were in my shoes and they had a harder time expressing love in certain ways like with my two friends if like they weren't a physical touch person and they have this friend who is a physical touch person it would be harder for them and so I think you have but you also have to be aware of that that that's not always everybody's jam you know well like my sister and I we are never ones to say I love you or anything to each other but you guys do the opposite we are right and die I mean we're very close and we would do anything for each other would yeah. you agree with that yeah um but we're just not uh oh love you sis mm. we're just not like that <laughs> at all not even close not even remotely i don't know if you guys have gotten this from mom but mom um jokes around she hides a lot cloaks a lot of things in I don't jokes cloak anything <laughs> <laughs> well, my, i mean my, i do my too. joke was always 
people would say, how did you, how did you raise your kids to be such great kids? And I said, sarcasm and ridicule. That is how she raised. That's how I raised my kids. Sarcasm <clears throat> and ridicule. But anyway, back to this book. So that's where I think she does a good job because, you know, she's, she's obviously getting both of them to recognize that they both kind of need to manage expectations a little bit on, um, you know, the other person's comfort levels. And I don't know. I, I think I would have liked it more if she had to come around a little bit more than she does, because I think it's more, he has to come around to her way of thinking because it's a romance novel. But, um, I don't know. I think I'd like a romance book that kind of touches on this even more. This idea of like, love isn't always Thunderbolt and, you know, like, um, I well, and if that's not his comfort level for, for them, for them to have gotten married before he'd said anything, I, th I think it would have been cute. And we've read books like this before, especially historicals where they get married yeah. and then he has to come around <laughs> later and, and where the heroine is like, I know he has feelings for me. I'm just going to wait this out. And mm -hmm. he does come around and it's kind of a cute, fun story to read. And that would have been kind of fun to see in this, I think. Yeah. Especially because I think that the the cultural touchstones are there, you know. Yeah. To, um, for it to be in this. Well, book. and my feelings were. Uh, some of the things towards the end were kind of clunky and and. Yeah. So let's talk about the conflict, um, which we've kind of talked about, and um, you know, I've talked about being kind of smack dab in the middle of both of them. But do you want to like elaborate on how you felt the ending was clunky? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really sure. It just didn't flow well for me. There's the whole, um, like they all show up at this engagement party for her sister, which are we going to talk about the family? Yeah, we can talk about that now. You want to talk about the family now? Sure. I, I had issues with her family cause I could never, the aunties I, I really liked. I liked all her aunties. Yeah. But her, I guess her, you'd call her immediate family, her dad, her grandma, and her sister, sometimes I liked them and sometimes they were awful. Yeah. So I'm not, like her dad became a non-entity. He was hardly even around or showed up or, you know, he dropped the bomb about, I'm selling the house. Yeah. And then shows up at the engagement party and yeah. is kind of... It's just kind of a weird... <clears throat> so her family, I was never sure... Are we supposed to hate them? Are we supposed to like them? Are we supposed to... Because her sister... And sometimes her sister was, like, really sweet and, like, understanding and, like, they had a really good sister relationship, which I guess this is sort of true to the sister experience, but... Um, and then other times she was, like, a raging bitch. Yeah. Like, raging. Like, yeah. horrible. Like, there was no in-between, it seemed like. Yeah. And, um, and I also never understood if we were supposed to, like be in support of her relate of her sister's relationship, relationship or if we were supposed to be like oh this isn't gonna work yeah because <laughs> this guy is just milk toast and he's just following along and yeah which maybe he just really loved her and why i don't know there was just a lot of stuff that they just kind of left hanging and um so they show up at this engagement party and her sister's all mad because karima and karina, karina. and prem mm -hmm. have this big blow up and Karina takes off and then Prem just like blows up at her family. And it's yeah. like to the point where it's like, okay, is this warranted? Well, it's like, I agree that they need a dressing down a bit, but not to that extent. Like he just like 
calls he calls the sister a raging bitch, which you know obviously I just did too, but not to her face. Um, <laughs> and he goes off on her fiance, which I don't even know that he's interacted with her fiance. That yeah, much. or or that even Karina has said anything that would warrant him blowing up at the fiance, and then. Kind of, I mean, I think that's where I land is, like, kind of the same with the, even the dad. Like, I don't know that, I don't know that he has much justification from what he's been told and from what we, and from what he's observed to blow up as much as he does at them. I mean, I would have been behind him saying, I'm not sure you guys always treat her well. Yeah, exactly. You know, I I don't know that um, I can support what's going on here because I have to be there for Karina and... I'm not sure what you guys have going on, but it doesn't seem to be helping her. Yeah. Um, and her grandma was would sometimes just say horrible things to her. Yeah. Like, sometimes she was, like, one of the aunties and was, like, kind of fun and supportive and sweet. And then sometimes she was terrible. Like, yeah. kind of more team dad. And... Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I had a hard time as to, like... Okay... Usually, because usually when they blow up at a family and, and put her family down, I'm like, that's it. That's the moment. I love it. I love seeing yeah. them get put in their place. But this time I was like, huh, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Yeah. <laughs> or if this is what I really want to see happen here. But, um, so anyway, anyway, so she, so Karina takes off and I need some space, that thing. And, um, and then her dad comes and is all sweet to her. And told yeah. Her. I, yeah. It just, I really don't know, the, the hot f- and cold. And the... the flow was weird. So that's what made it clunky for me. It's like, I didn't, I wasn't feeling the emotions from the family, I guess. I wasn't yeah. feeling where they were coming from. And then the sister eloped, which I was in support of. Cause... Well, and I kind of wondered if uh, when the sister eloped, they would then just take on her wedding. Take on her wedding that they've already started planning. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, But, uh. I don't know. It just felt weird to me. It didn't yeah. ever give me warm fuzzies or anyway, that's why I mean it was kind of clunky. It was just kind of a clunky ending. Yeah, and it, and I and then in in terms of the resolution, I've kind of already mentioned, but I I kind of think I would have liked it if it was even more kind of more middle ground where um they kind of apologized to each other more than him having to like make this big grand sweeping gesture in front of a live television studio audience. Well, and pay Um, for her car. Yeah. Which apparently was just demolished somehow. (laughs) (laughs) The the rats had gotten to it. (laughs) Raccoons gave birth in the back. Yeah. Um, Okay. Let's talk about sex, baby. Um, this was certainly steamier than I was expecting it to be. It was a steamier than I was expecting it to be. <laughs> um, and I think maybe because of her cultural background, I was expecting there to be more quote unquote chastity involved. Um, but you know, I might have a different understanding of the culture than I should. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they had no problem. Getting down and dirty. Yes, they did get down and dirty. <laughs> even in the shower. Yes. Which is an oxymoron. <laughs> um, uh, I found it to be, like, pretty hot, though, most of the time. It was pretty hot. Um, yeah. 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 There was butt stuff. Can we say that? Yeah, there was butt stuff. <laughs> we, we keep... Um, 
dancing around the issue, much like he did. Um, and, and it was just a mention. It wasn't anything yeah. in great detail. And it's pretty, it's pretty like nebulously described. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's where, um, I don't know. And I kind of touch on this, but like their physical chemistry with each other was so strong that I'm like, okay, when you've got that and all of the other things that you guys have, like both of you, that's love. So like you should recognize that he obviously loves you. And yes, he should recognize that he obviously loves you, but. And he will come around. I mean, it's not like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, okay. What's your swooniest moment? I was thinking about this. I know you think that I never do, but I was. Um, because the end was so odd for me, um, probably when he showed up to kidnap her and he was all dressed in black and had the stuff under his eyes and I I thought that was cute. Um, you should be, I'm here to kidnap you. (laughs) You should be able to guess what part, which date was my favorite swooniest date. Oh yeah. That was cute. That was really cute. (laughs) Um, I am an escape room fan. So any puzzle themed date, um, Alan was down. Yeah, I'm I'm on board for that. Um, I have a a friend who I third wheel with her and her husband, and we do a lot of escape rooms together. Yes, Um, we have now. She's not lying. (laughs) We have now made two leaderboards. Um, We just made one this weekend, Um, and we're like second place on that leaderboard. So no big deal. but yeah, so I'm, I, I like, I get into that. I yes. get into scavenger hunts and puzzles and yes, you do things like that. Um, okay. So those are our feelings. Um, I think we did a fairly good job at not bitching too much. I mean, I, we, we always still end up doing more of that. Um, but I did enjoy the like overall and, and even when we're talking about the whole what is love question that this addresses, I like that she at least addresses it. Yeah. And, like, I don't know that she ever got into it as much as I would have liked for her to, but I like that she touches on this sort of idea as to how that might be different for different people because I don't think that that's something that gets addressed in romance novels too often. Yeah. So I, st- I did like that. Um, okay. Let's dive into your guys' thoughts. Um, First, we have an email from Arthur. He says, I'm giving this modernized spin on The Taming of the Shrew a like. I was initially pretty high on it, and there are parts of the book where I'm into the sweetness, the steam, and the humor of the central romance. The murder mystery scavenger hunt is a particularly delightful scene, and I appreciate how the story revolves around South Asian and Desi cultures. But the more I think about it, the more that other parts of dating Dr. Dill irritate me. For example, why is Karina so insistent on hearing the words, I love you, when she's such a hopeless romantic who feels like she'd be able to accept love through wordless and thoughtful gestures? Why does Prem have to disbelieve in the notion of love in such an over-the-top manner? Why does he have to prefer to his equipment as Charlie several times throughout the book. <laughs> a lot of y'all had big beef with Charlie. Oh, with Charlie, huh? Yeah. I mean, I just, like, I mean, for a minute, I was like, Charlie? Oh, yeah, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, who? There's a third person there? Oh, his oh, penis. Charlie. Got it. <laughs> 
Um, Arthur continues. I wish Karina's relatives weren't written in a way that left me loathing them. They're basically the toxic version of Medi's Ma and Auntie's and Dial A for Aunties. But not all of them. That's what's weird. Anyway, aside from Karina refusing to cover for uh, Bindi in the end, or Bindu, he says Bindu. I thought it, what was her name? She was her Bindu. sister. She was Bindu. Okay. And the other guy was Bundy or Bun- Bunty, I think. Bunty. Yeah. Um, anyway, Arthur continues. This family didn't even get a proper comeuppance for its awful treatment of Karina. And then there's that cringy bedroom scene between Prem and Karina where it goes, his penis practically popped out and whacked her in the eyeballs. Yeah, that was weird. What a specific image. <laughs> I couldn't help but think of Michael getting hot for Stella's porn star nipples in the kiss quotient. Even though I have my issues with this book, I'll probably read the sequel focusing on Bobby and Benjamin. Benjamin. Um, sincerely, Arthur. Thank you, Arthur. So is it is his... I'm assuming Bunty is a nickname for Benjamin? Because I hope his name yes. isn't Benjamin Bunty. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, Kayla says, I absolutely adored this one. The story was so cute, and I really felt the connection between Karina and Prem coming through. The meddling aunties was a hilarious touch, and there was the perfect amount of spice. Can we talk about the butt stuff? Uh, (laughs) We did. We did. (laughs) So, yes, we can. Um, this book will become one that I recommend to fellow rom-com friends over and over again. It's a, it is a good rom-com example, and it's a good, like, if you're looking for someone who wants something that's showing the diversity, if you're trying to show the diversity of romance genre, I think this is definitely a good option. Um, like I and, said, we really enjoyed reading about the culture. Yeah. And, and, you know, Kayla mentions that she really felt the connection between them. And I have to say that I also did too. And, and it's like I said, I really liked those touches of them showing their first night together. So, um, it's so that it almost sort of like has touches of second chance romance because, they have to kind of get out, like, they had this really good, powerful first connection, and then it kind of blows up in their face. You know, I think on not much, because the whole sweater thing, I think, was blown out of proportion. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I I like that. She needs to get some sweater vests <laughs> with some buttons. Yeah, apparently. Or some, like, you know, with a wider neck, <laughs> apparently. Um <clears throat> Anyway, Natalie says, I think I loved this book. Some of the bits about their, about dating in your 30s and people's opinions about lowering your standards hits a little bit close to home. <laughs> I'm feeling that, Natalie. But ultimately, the ending just made me very happy. Taming of the Shrews, difficult source material to adapt, but I think the author has done a great job, and I can't wait for the next one, which I hope is inspired by much about nothing based on the characters and their names. I think we already have a Beatrice and Benedict. I also love the cover homage to um, another great Taming of the Shrew adaptation, 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes, we do. It's like. one of the covers of 10 Things I Hate About You, I should say, because <laughs> what are there the, are a few. Of covers of Taming of the Shrew. No. So the cover of this book, Dating Dr. Dill, has an homage to one of the covers of 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh. Like one of the posters. I see. Things for Get 10 it. Things I got it. I'm on it. Um, Georgina says, this book was fun, a very strong like for me. I was afraid that as an adaptation of The Taming of the Shrew, there was going to be a lot of deceit and manipulation written into the storyline. However, I was happy with the direction the story took, focusing on the negotiation around faking an engagement 
rather than actively deceiving people around them. I liked how the author showed us rather than told us how well they worked together through their dates and encounters. I liked that I learned about South Asian culture and family dynamics. Also, now I have the biggest craving for Indian food. Yeah, I was getting... Every time they were eating naan, I was like, mmm, naan. Um, my only complaint on the story is that I feel like it ended too abruptly. I would have liked a longer epilogue. On the characters, I was surprised that a lot of people on Goodreads didn't like the book and most of the comments had to do with Prem. I actually really liked him as a hero, but I might be biased since my love language is acts of service. Or she says, museum, in quotes, or in parentheses, museum dates, rather than words of affirmation. Girl, I am so the same. Like, when I took the love languages quiz, I was, like, 98% quality time. And then, like, I think acts of service was my next one. I think I was, like, 88% quality time and then, like, 15% acts of service. Not that my math is adding up there. Um, And, like, I was, like, 0% on words of affirmation. (laughs) I think that was, like, my lowest one. So I think that's where I, like... Because you were raised on sarcasm and ridicule. And I was raised by a mother who (laughs) does not give words of affirmation, so... I I try, but you laugh at me. I learned how to adapt. (laughs) Um, She continues. Georgina does. Um, Yes, he was a jerk at the beginning. The Charlie thing was a bit weird, and his argument of love not being real was weak. But he grew as a character and was there to support our heroine, even when they had opposing views. He respected her hesitation towards a fake engagement and didn't rush her to make a decision. And yes, it was obvious to all of us that this guy was head over heels for her, but his obliviousness didn't bother me at all, as I have a soft spot for silly heroes who think they can't love. Also, I pictured Manish Dayal in my mind, so I was in a constant stabilization throughout the book. She provided uh, pictorial evidence. Um, You would recognize him. He shows up in a lot of stuff. Um, Now I have to look. Yeah. Keep going. I'm curious to hear what everyone else thinks um, and see if I'm just too biased on this one. Um, No, I don't think you're biased. Because I also, like, I don't, I, I also notice that there's people have, like, the biggest beef with him and... Like, I don't have any more beef with him than I do every other (laughs) romance hero or heroine that we ever (laughs) encounter. They're all a bit dumb, you know? (laughs) Let's be honest. Um, Catherine says, I'm wondering if I need to switch from audiobook to ebook because it's both grumpy, grumpy and enemies to lovers. The amount of negativity is bogging me down in the audiobook. I'm wondering if taking it at a faster pace with the ebook would be more enjoyable. It's possible. I had to speed through this one quite a bit because of the aforementioned 4.30 um, Korean show binge, um, where I was not reading a book that I was supposed to be reading. So, um... Yeah. I had to keep nagging her. You didn't have to keep nagging Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, Maida says, This book was kind of a mess to me, and I almost DNF'd. I'm still not sure what the hero's problem was or why he continued to seduce her when he couldn't make her happy. There was also too much going on with the newspaper clips, texts, and memories. The writing felt at the, that could be also why ebook or audiobook would be hard, is there's a lot of like format shifting um, that I would imagine would make audiobook kind of difficult. Anyway, Maida continues. There was also, uh, the writing felt at the same time cliched and over the top. The aunties, the racy best friend, the sister who got her a vibrator. That was kind of funny. That was funny. Um, I wish we had more story or characters from this great empowering job Karina had. I read this at the same time as watching Bridgerton, which had a similar story, but was so much better. 
Um, yeah, it does kind of. And I I kept thinking of the Sharma sister, the Sharma sisters every time they were talking about <laughs> Dee Dee and all that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> Cassie says, y'all, I swear I'm usually a sunshiny person, but some of the books this spring have been bringing out the hater in me. Join the club, Cassie. <laughs> how I always feel. I was highly anticipating this book and I really wanted to love it, but it just didn't work for me. I didn't like any of the characters. I found Prem to be annoying throughout and even Karina was kind of obnoxious in the end. The pop culture references were cringy to me and the way that Prem called his penis Charlie and talked about it like it was a separate sentient being. Not just once, but Charlie was mentioned many times. It was so unsexy to me. It took me right out of the sex scenes, which were the strongest part of the book for me. I came close to DNFing this one, and I obvious, obvious, honestly probably should have done that. Um, I didn't feel that strongly about it, but I can see where you're coming from. I can't even think what the pop culture references in this one were. Um, oh, the Taylor Swift stuff. And the, oh, yeah, like, the Taylor Swift. Twilight stuff. That was actually kind of funny, though. Where, And um, the D&D stuff. Uh, uh, where it was obviously Joe Imagine and Nella that was there. Um, was kind of funny. Um, Vittoria says, I'm on the fence on this one. I liked the cultural setting and Karina for the most part. I liked that Prem defended her from her family's continuous nagging, but several things left me in doubt. Her family were horrible to her, and it's made it to seem like it's part of their culture to expect things from the older daughter. I can't speak for that, but they were just insulting her most of the time. I enjoyed the diverse background and the struggles of second-generation immigrants were, were well-described, but I also felt that it contained a lot of cliches. The sexual tension between Karina and Prem was well-written, but he kept seducing her to try to manipulate her, and their back-and-forth on the love-not-love love argument got tiresome. I honestly didn't get who the shrew was supposed to be between them. Obviously, Mom had some. I had a hard time with that, too. <laughs> In terms of hotness, I found this spicier than expected, except for Charlie. I could have done without that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. The, um, I mean, it didn't jump out to me, but the whole him seducing her to manipulate her, that's not an incorrect observation. Yes, it's not. Um... So that's interesting. And maybe I should have picked up on that. Speaks to my There was own. something else that he did, and I thought, oh, that's a little questionable. Yeah, maybe it was their first kiss. No, it would have been the second kiss. Anyway, there was some some other time where he, like, kissed her without, like, her really wanting him to. And maybe I'm imagining. <laughs> Uh, Tiernan says, I loved dating Dr. Dill. My favorite part is that it takes place in Jersey, where I live. I loved learning about Rena and Prem's culture. The pacing and writing were excellent. Looking forward to the next book in the series. I mean, I am all here for, like, Shakespeare retellings. Yeah. I'm, I mean, as a hard and fast 10 Things I Hate About You fan, mm -hmm. I'm always down for <laughs> a Shakespeare retelling. Um, Jennifer says, I had a hard time getting into it, but I finally started enjoying it. Loved the aunties and the sex scenes were smoking, except for the Charlie thing. Uh, another shout out for the New Jersey setting from a former Jersey girl. The Dungeons and Dragons scene was so funny, but the way he confronted her family was a little harsh. I hate it when a man calls a woman a bitch. Which he straight up does. He does. Um, yeah, I, I had problems with that whole... 
That whole thing yeah, felt was weird. Kind of cringy to me. Yeah. Rachel says, I liked this one. I LOL'd several times and thought the story was original, but the frequent rehashing of their issue got redundant. I got bored, skipped ahead a couple chapters, and easily picked right up like I had, hadn't missed a thing. And Charlie, really? Ugh. But I would still take a ride to Taco Bell with the aunties, and I will definitely pick up the next Nisha Sharma. Okay, this is the biggest problem I have. He spent all that money and fixed all her car up, and the first thing she does is go and eats Taco Bell in her newly <laughs> fixed car. I was really having a hard time with that. First of all, eating Taco Bell in any car is difficult to okay, do. Okay, here's the thing you guys will talk about as someone who eats Taco Bell in her car more often than she should. Um, that shredded cheese will get everywhere. Yeah. And she just got her call. And he paid to fix that car all up. And they're all eating Taco Bell in her car. And I was just like, no, 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 no. Um, I did appreciate, though, the, like, soda being too big for. Yes. Because we're very familiar with the large sodas at Taco Bell. Well, they're not that big at Taco Bell. They're not. There's, they should have fit. There's other. Yeah. that's There's true. other places where they are too big. Yes. My movie theater drinks never fit in that cup holder. That's that is true. We're we're well versed in um, what cups, what the size of large a sodas. A big gulp is not going to fit in the cup holder. <laughs> um, you'd actually be surprised. <laughs> they're 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 made to have like a small bottom so that they fit in. I just need a big gulp cup. Because <laughs> yeah. I am not made to have a small bottom. Yeah, there you go. Um, Fernanda, I think she's our last. Yes, yeah, she is. Says, I was really excited to read Dating Dr. Dill, but unfortunately it didn't quite live up to the hype and this book ended up just being okay. I enjoyed the first half of the book, but the second half was meh. Things I liked. Learning more about South Asian culture and customs, the banter, some funny scenes, the D&D and then at the museum, etc. Karina, most of the time. I liked that she refused to lower her standards for love, even with all the pressure her family puts on her. Agreed on Mm -hmm. that. What I really disliked, the pet names, Rena Honey. Um, Rena Honey, I think pet names are so, like, subjective. Um, because, it, like, it, they're very, like, there's ones that bother me that don't even bother you. There's ones that. Well, I think it's somewhat, um, I think it's, like, based on what you grew up with. I think it's based on your age, because. I know that, like, babe bothers you way more than it bothers me, but I think babe is, like, much more um, well, I think prevalent dep- in my Depends generation. on the age of the hero and heroine. Because if he's older and she's younger and he keeps referring to her as babe, I have issues with that because it's... I... People see... Honey has connotations of being condescending for a lot of people. I, I think it can be condescending, but I don't always read it as condescending. Um, I, I call my, when I call one of my students honey, it's kind of like a bless your heart. Yeah. Like, oh, honey. Oh, honey. <laughs> like, honey, I need you to listen up. You know, it's got like kind of that where it's like, I'm trying to soften the blow a little bit. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I think, I think that pet names have different connotations for different people is what I'll say. Anyway. We are contending with what Fernanda did not like about the book. Charlie, it was a mood killer to the steamy scenes. Um, How awfully her family treated her. And Prem being rude, arrogant, immature, and manipulative for most of the book. Fair. 
It was hard for me to understand why someone like Prem, who self-proclaims being more in touch of, with, of his emotions than most people around him, struggles so much with admitting that he was in love with her. He spent so much of his internal narration being jealous of her and making statements about how amazing she is, how much he enjoys being with her, misses her when she is not around, and can't stop thinking about her, to immediately follow up with something like, but I could never love her. If that's not love, what does he think love is then? Fair. It, it was funny to me that he couldn't, recognize not that love doesn't exist but that he's just not comfortable saying it yeah i mean as a, well, it, as, a as an intellectual person and someone who's been through a lot of schooling and stuff it just seemed like it would be one apparently has read all these medical journals yeah about how it just seems like something that he should be able to pick up on in himself instead of just saying well you know my parents never said it to each other so love must not exist it just seems like a a weird place to go from there yeah I, I agree. Um, Fernanda continues. Another issue that I had with this book was how the conflict surrounding Karina's childhood home got easily solved. It only proved that her family was just being a pain in the butt and making, uh, less of her being single. Even after Prem pointing out how badly her father, sister, and grandmother treated her and minimized her feelings, they never apologized to her. Her family only started to show some respect and appreciation for her at the end of the book after she got engaged. True. Well, true. But even, but what's really true is that no one ever apologized. And even her sister calls her and puts her in a really bad predicament again by asking her to cover for her when she goes to elope. And it's like, and like Prem said, screw her. Just let, <laughs> yeah. let her figure it out. It's not your problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts, mom? Um, no, I didn't hate the book. I I I liked it. There mm -hmm. was just, like I said, it just didn't flow for me at the end. It, it, like his mom coming and showing up and then, you know, she drops the, we loved you, we love each other bomb. And you knew that was coming. You knew that yeah. was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then we never hear or see from her again. Or it's yeah. just, there was just a lot of, I don't know. It just seemed disconnected in a lot of ways to me. It seems like there's a draft of this book somewhere um, that maybe read a little more cleanly and then it got edited, which, you know, I'm, I'm here for. I'm here for that. Well, I could have edited out some of the middle part and done a little bit cleaning more with, up. Cleaning on, up at the end. Yeah. Um, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it seems like... Um, because sometimes when they're a little disjointed like that, that's kind of what I tend to think might have happened was, um, you know, things got edited out and not or, and not or shuffled around sliced or, back together very well. Yeah. Um, but yes, I'm also a I'm still a really like um, I, I like some of the ideas that it explores. Like I said, um, I appreciate it as a Taming of the Shrew adaptation and um the cultural representation and all of those things. And honestly, like they don't piss me off any more than every other hero and heroine do. Um, I don't know. That's, that's just for me. Um, but yeah, so. Oh, and I have to give a shout out to the part. I did find it swoony when she had the allergic reaction to the cinnamon and he swooped in and yeah. rushed her off the hospital. Especially, yes. As someone who has an expired EpiPen, I also <laughs> appreciate that. Um, 
Okay, so those are our thoughts and some of your thoughts on Dating Dr. Dill by Nisha Sharma. We would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page or our Facebook group, which is Not Your Mom's Facebook group. Our Goodreads group, our Twitter and Instagram, which are both not your, at Not Your Mom's Rom, or you can email us at Not Your Mom's Roommates Book Club at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us or email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On May 16th, we'll be chatting about The Siren of Sussex by Mimi Matthews. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show, and we just love to read them. Also, be on the lookout this week for our summer reading list. Um, All right. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome, Ellen. Bye. Bye. Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.